Well, as I mentioned earlier, we are starting a new series on how do we actually live out this thing that we just sang about of when Christ loves us and then how do we love others. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 12, verse 28 and through 30. And this is going to kind of be where we uh, start this series on of understanding how do we live love. If, if I went around this room and I said, hey, let's talk about love, like give us an idea of what love is, we would probably start with some of the same key ideas. But it probably wouldn't be long until our idea and our definition of love became divergent from one another. Some of us may value stuff like quality time. Others would say, this is how I experience love. When somebody gives me something or does something for me, or this is how I have love has hurt me in the past. We, we may start here, but it probably would not be long until we are in very different camps when it comes to understanding love. Love and being loved can be a very deep topic that can bring us to drastically different feelings. Jesus often talked about love, how to love, who to love, why to love. Love was always central to most of his teaching. And this series is going to challenge us to better understand the way that Jesus loved and even how he loved when it wasn't easy to love. The the thing I love about following Jesus through the scripture Jesus didn't just teach things. He didn't just say, do this, and like give us a list of things to do. More often than not, Jesus actually did the things before he taught them. Like He lived it out, and then he would teach it. It's not that he would even teach it and then like go live by example. He was teaching out of the overflow of what he was already doing. And love was one of those things. Showing how to love others is a great example that Jesus left for us. And over these next three weeks, we're going to look at three primary commands that Jesus gives us. And the first is to love the Lord. The next is to love your neighbor. And the last one is to love your enemies. Now, a couple of those I'm okay with, right? (laughs) One of those, I'm like, all right, I'm glad that's week three. And we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. And we have some time to think about loving your enemies. But when Christ gave us these commands, it wasn't that we got to pick or choose. It's not like, hey, I'll pick loving the Lord. That's a good one. But my neighbors really get on my nerves. So I'm not going to really love my neighbors, and maybe I'm not gonna, certainly not going to love my enemies. And we treat maybe love and expressing love to people like it's a buffet line, right? And we can just pick and choose what we want. I remember I, growing up, I played baseball. And the, one of the main reasons I played baseball is because afterwards we would go to the pizza buffet. And like, that was like my favorite Thing, but I was a pretty picky eater growing up. The only pizza I would eat was pepperoni and cheese pizza. And so there was like 10 or 20 pizzas lined up on this thing. And I would go and I would only, out of all these choices, I would wait for the one, the pepperoni and cheese. And you know what usually happened? Everybody else had pepperoni and cheese, right, too. So there was no pepperoni and cheese or there was like one plate. And we would like, I remember like us on the team, sometimes we'd sit back and we'd watch them bringing them out of the oven and like they'd bring one up and we could tell the pepperoni, like we'd go sprinting up there to get our, our one piece of pepperoni pizza. And that's kind of how we treat some of these commands of God. We like, I like this one and I'm going to do this one really, really well, but I'm going to ignore all these other things. And that's not what living love really is. Living love is learning to do all of these. To love the Lord, to love your neighbor, and to even love your enemies. So before we jump into the topic for today of loving the Lord, I want to make sure we're clear on a couple 
of things about love and, and what expressing love means. The first is this, is that when we talk about loving the Lord, loving our neighbors, and loving our enemies, I, I want us to understand that's not necessarily a natural ability. That's not our natural bend. Like, you know, most of us, if you're a follower of Christ here, you can remember what it was like before you were a follower of Christ. If you're still learning about who Christ is and God and this religion thing, then you're probably still struggling. Why should I love God? You may even have some deep, deep concerns about who God is. You're like, love isn't what I'm thinking of. And so it's not our natural state to love God, to love others and to love our enemies. As a matter of fact, when we talk about loving the Lord, who do we actually like to love the most? Ourselves, right? I mean, I like to make myself Lord. I like to make myself the center of everything. If I, you know, if I pop up a group picture of all of us in here, where do your eyes go to first? You, right? I mean, you're like, where am I at in that picture? And I, we do these pictures all the time, and you're like, like it can be, everybody's like, oh, that's a great picture. You're like, oh, look at me in that picture. Like, I don't like the way my hair looks in this picture. And I want you to realize, like, nobody's looking at you. They're all looking at them. So nobody really cares about you. But we like to be the center of attention. We like to be kind of our own. So our natural state is not to love God and make him central. It's to make ourselves central. It, even our neighbors, even those that we like and are around, like, we can be neighborly and we can like them. But if they start doing things that we don't like, I mean, we start hearing them through the walls. We, they start, you know... Their, their apartment stinks or whatever it may be, their dogs yapping all night and keeping me up. Like, it doesn't take long for me to, like, not love my neighbor and be like, I wish somebody else lived in this apartment next door. And certainly our enemies. Loving our enemies is not a natural state. So while Jesus gives us this command, our ability to follow this command is only birthed out of one thing. It only flows out of the fact that we have first experienced the love of Christ in our life. That you and I have experienced this overwhelming deep love of Christ that then flows through us, changes us, and allows us to love others like we've never loved before. So I can try to love the Lord, I can try to love others, and I can try to love my enemies, but I'm going to fail miserably if I'm doing it on my own strength. When I allow the love of Christ to flow into me and I fully understand how much he loves me, like what we just sang about, then I'm able to love in a way like never before. So this is not just a sermon to say, do better, right? This isn't three weeks to say, love, but just, you got to figure it out. It starts with understanding that we are deeply loved and we must first experience the love of Christ. The second thing I want you to, us to be all on the same page is this, is that when we talk about demonstrating love to people, so when we talk about how we love God, how we love our neighbors and how we love our enemies, this is not something that is show is that is a means to salvation. This does not mean we have to love God this way, love our neighbors this way, and love our enemies this way, so that then we might be saved. That's not what this is. It's not a way to salvation. It's a demonstration of the salvation that has already happened in us. It's a demonstration of the change that has happened in our life. So I want to be very careful when we talk about these because. This is one of those things where we talk about some things that we might do better, some things that we might shift in our life. So it's not just self-help, and it's not a way that we make ourselves right with God. It is instead allowing God's love to change us, and through that change, we can't help but do these things. It then becomes our natural state. So first, surrender to the love of Christ, and then 
let that love naturally flow through you back to God and back to others. It's a cycle, right? If, if I'm receiving the love of God, if I'm experiencing it, I can express it. And if I stop expressing it, maybe I've stopped experiencing it, and I've got to let that cycle flow. So let's jump into this, this first command that God gives us, which is to love the Lord. We want to be able to live love by actually loving the Lord. So let's look at this passage out of Mark 12, verse 28 and 30. Before we jump in it, let me give you a little bit of context here. So there's somebody about to ask Jesus a question. It's the scribes and Pharisees, these religious leaders, and literally what they've been doing all day is peppering Jesus with questions. They're like, tell us what you think about this. Tell us what you think about this. And they're trying to trap him. They're trying to get him to say something that they can be like, ah, that's false teaching. That goes against this. That goes Because they don't like Jesus. They're not on his side. And they're trying to trip him up. And so they're, they're about to throw this big question that may be kind of a gotcha question. And so let's look at it. And it said, one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. So they say heard them arguing together. And seeing that he, talking about Jesus, had answered them well. Now, let me tell you his motive here. He doesn't like, Jesus gave a good answer, so I'm going to get some more advice from him. That's not what the scribe's doing here. He's like, he saw he answered that question well. Let me give him a tougher question, see if I can trip him up. So that's kind of how it's coming. And so when he saw that he answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And this is it, verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You know, oftentimes we talk about what we just sang about, about how much God loves us. And we talk about the things that we love about God. Like, we, God, thank you for your mercy and your grace, the peace that you give us, the blessings that you... And we tell God how much we love him because of all the things that he does for us. And that's great. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that, but that not, should not be the only demonstration of our love to God is to tell him how wonderful he is. And thank you for doing all this for me. Think about it like in a marriage relationship. So my wife, Katie, if all the only way as I ever expressed love to her was to tell her thank you for all the different ways that she served me, would that really be a true love? Like, thank you for making the bed for me this morning. Thank you for washing my clothes. Thank you for cleaning up the kitchen. Like, would that, is that actually not maybe a little selfish love? Like, you know, because what does he hear? She might hear at that point, like, if you stop doing those things, then my love for you is dependent on that. Where really our love for God and our love for others should not be dependent on what they do for us. But the change that's happening a lot that we can't help but love back. And that's what we're going to talk about is this idea of how do we show love? Shared love is both received and given. It's received and given. So when we're talking about loving the Lord, it's talking about praising him for what he's done. But it's also what Jesus points out here, to love him with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. So in our remaining time, what I want to do is I want to go through those four things. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And talk about what do those really mean. And we're going to look at an example in the Old Testament of, of David. If you're not, if you're not uh, familiar with who David is, he was one of the great kings of Israel and, uh, and the Old Testament. Uh, if you've heard any Bible stories, you've probably heard the David and Goliath story. You understand he was a, a key figure in the Old Testament. 
he wrote many of the psalms that we find in the book of Psalms. He was a he was a musician, he was a king, he was an artist, uh, an amazing guy. And so we're going to see how this kind of plays out in his life of understanding the four ways that Jesus says that we should demonstrate and express our love to God. So let's start with the heart. So the idea of loving the Lord with all of our heart comes down to this key concept of desire. Desire. Like we actually should have a desire, a love from the heart is this idea that we want to be with someone. We can't wait to see them. You've been in a dating relationship, or you can maybe remember back to when you first started dating your spouse. Like I I remember when Katie and I first started dating, there was nothing I wanted to do more than hang out with her. Like every, you know, you, you ever go through this, like all your friends say, you've changed. All you want to do is hang out with this person. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. She's a lot better than you guys. Like, I really like her. Like, you know, it's, she's much more attractive than all you guys. So, like, you, you start wanting, you desire to be with her. You want to be with her. And the question is, is like, do we love God that way? Do we really desire him above all else? There's a passage in Psalm 63 I want to read to you where David talks about this where he had this feeling about God. And he says this, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Listen to this. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water, I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because of your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. I would dare say that many of us would find this kind of overwhelming desire for God, maybe a little foreign to us. Like, we, you know, we're like, I, you know, I, I like God. I like who he is. He's a good guy. I, I like Jesus. I, I like this spiritual thing. I, I can even get excited about it at times. Like there's times that, man, it really makes an impact in my life. But when is the last time your soul has thirsted for God? When is the last time your flesh has grown faint thinking about God? When is the last time you've laid in the bed at night and couldn't sleep because you were just consumed with the thoughts of how great God is? That's loving God with all your heart. That's desiring him. How do we get there? Because that's great. Like, I'd be like, that comes natural sometimes in these physical and earthly relationships. But how does that happen between God and it boils down to one concept, and this concept of surrender. I gotta, I gotta let go. I gotta stop worrying about what other people think. I gotta stop worrying about having this tempered idea of what it means to follow. And I just gotta let go. Surrender doesn't mean giving up, it means completely immersing yourself. Completely immersing yourself in who God is and the love of God. And we live in a culture where that's not the norm, where that's not the natural way that we live. 
you know, we'll let our love for God and our desire for God hit a certain level. But beyond that, that kind of gets to fanatic style, right? And like, those are the weird Christians, <laughs> you know, but I'm not saying we got to come out and be weird Christians. I'm just saying, even in the privateness of your home, like, do you ever just long for the presence of God? That's loving God with all your heart. It's surrendering, letting go, letting other things stop stealing your desire. Think about it this way. We have a certain amount of passion and desire that we can pour out. All right? So we got a, we got a glass. It, you know, sometimes we pour some passion and desire out on our spouse or other relationships or our job, things that we, we want to accomplish in this life. Then we pour some out on other relationships. And then we pour some out on hobbies and things like that. And then we get to, at the end of the day or whatever, and we maybe have some time with God, and we take the little bit of passion and desire we have left, and then we pour that out on God, and we go, okay, you, you got what's left of me. And here's not, I'm not saying like we should pour it all out on God and then not do anything else, just sit in our homes and pray all day. Here's what I'm saying. Start the day completely pouring your desire and passion out on God, and then let him give it back to you to accomplish these other things. Let him restore it to you to say, now out of your passion for me, go and do incredible work. Go and love your your spouse the way you should. Go and engage in these friendships out of a passion and a love for Christ, not just giving him the leftovers. So love the Lord your God with all your heart. Second, he says, is love with all your soul. And this second way that we're to, to live with this idea of our soul, it's this idea that the word that came to my mind is together. This idea maybe of a soulmate, that you start doing life together. To love God with all your soul means that we desire, his desires become our desires. His passions begin to line up with our passions, and that's what I just talked about. Instead of pouring out here, 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 and again, pour it all out at the beginning, and then let our desires begin to match up, and we start doing life together. And this doesn't mean that you lose your self-identity, or you become you ro- this robot, or you have to fit into this certain mold of Here's what a Christian is. You can't do these things. You have to do these things. It just means that when we love someone with all our soul, sometimes we do strange things. Sometimes we do things that we would have never considered before. I remember when Katie and I first started dating. Like, she grew up Catholic. I grew up in a Baptist church. And, like, so we started, we wanted to spend time together. And so we started going to each other's churches. I remember the first time, I'd never been to a Catholic church in my life. I mean, the first time I was 18 years old, I went to a Catholic church with Katie. And, like, I go in, and first thing I was, I was like, they got these cool little benches down here. They're like, what is this? And then they all started, like, saying stuff back to each other. And they would say something, that, you know, grace to you. And I was like, what? what, what? Uh, I don't know the script. What am I? And then, like, at certain times, they would fold that little bench down and kneel, and then they would stand. And I'm like somebody's got to give me the script here. Like, I felt totally out of place. And I'm like, completely foreign to me. But I'm, you know what? It didn't bother me. Why? Because I was with her. And then I brought her to my church. One time, and I grew up in a, a church. It was a, a pretty large church. And at the end of every Sunday, at the end of the teaching time, the pastor would give like a come forward invitation. Like, come and make a decision known in front of the entire church. The church I grew up with was about 4,000 people in this church. And Katie 
Our first Sunday, like she saw people, she thought I was about to drag her down front and make her speak to all 4,000 of these people. And she's like sweating and like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? And she was like, it was totally strange to her. And we all, when we want to be, when we love somebody and want to be with it, we'll do strange things. We'll go to strange places. Different things that were never important to us, all of a sudden become important to us. I didn't know anything about scrapbooking before I met Katie. I had never crossed my mind to like, oh, let's do that. When we had kids and she was making, I was like, that's cool. And like, she was wanting to buy all this stuff, these different kind of scissors. I'm like, what's the different, you know, can't they all just cut? I, you know, but it was her passion. It became my passion. She would come and sit and spend all day Saturday watching me and a bunch of other college guys play softball all afternoon. I'm sure Katie did not enjoy that, but she would as we connected our souls together, we started doing things that maybe they each wouldn't have done otherwise. And that is understanding loving someone with all of your soul. This idea, what becomes most important in our lives is not doing things for God. It's doing things with God. That's the whole difference here. Christianity becomes a real drag and it's a horrible way of life all we think about it is this is something we we've got to do things for god here's my list i got to get done today christianity is not a to-do list it is about doing things with our creator with the one who loves us we are walking with him daily as we do that so loving the lord your god with all your soul is learning it's not doing things for god it's doing things with god then he says this Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind. We're also challenged to do this. And I love this idea of mind. And the word that came to me is this idea of explore. And we, I love that this is in here, that we get to explore the depth of our relationship with God and the depth of who God is, which means this. This is a relationship we get to ask questions. This is a kind of love that we can bring up the hard questions. We can bring up the difficult topics, times when things aren't going right, when you don't understand what's happening, when you can't see the reason behind something, when you don't feel loved, accepted, or cared for. We don't have to sit back and keep our mouth shut. Instead, we are encouraged to ask and explore the depths of God's character. I love that we, this is a kind of love that we're encouraged to do, to love him with our mind. God does not mind questions. God would much rather have a question from you than when instead of you just turning and walking away. God's not scared of your questions. God's not scared of your feelings. And in Psalm 13, David does this. There were things going on in David's life. His son had rebelled against him and like taken over the kingdom and exiled David and was trying to kill David. I mean, that's not a good place to be. Right? I mean, like, I would hope PJ wouldn't come in here one day and like, Dad, you're out. I'm taking over, right? I mean, I would hope that wouldn't happen, but that's what happened in David's life. And here's how David responds to God. He says this, Psalm 13, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep in the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. 
least my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Those are some tough questions, aren't they? Some difficult. How long, God? How long is my life going to be like this? How long is this going to keep? You ever had one of those moments in your life? When you're just like, God, I've had enough. Stop it already. Give me something good. Today would be great. Like we have those moments. God doesn't shy away from those. God wants, and that's what loving God with your mind is, is exploring those moments, exploring those doubts, exploring the victories. When the good times come, coming on, thinking in the depths of that as well. How does this happen? This happens with trust. When I trust God enough to ask the tough questions instead of walking away. You ever been in a relationship, in an earthly relationship, where it just got too tough to ask the questions? You just didn't like the arguments that happened all the time, and it was easier to walk away? You know, we probably all have been in different levels of those relationships. Sometimes it's family, sometimes it's a spouse, sometimes it's a child, sometimes it's a friend. There's always pain involved when that happens, isn't there? And God says, I don't want that to happen. Ask the question. Explore. And our God is faithful to answer. The last one is this. It says to love the Lord your God with all your strength. But this final demonstration of God's love is by our loving him with our strength. And this means that the desire we have developed, the way that we like doing life together and exploring the depth of relationship begins to show itself in how we live our lives. And we begin to live with a new and different resolve. That's the word that came. Like we live with purpose and with a resolve, a new way of living. We see this again in David's life, right, with the story of David and Goliath. I'm not going to read the entire story, but... David shows up delivering some cheese to his brothers. He wasn't even on the battlefield. And his dad says, here, your brothers are out of food. Take them some cheese. And what a way to, you're dragging your wagon of cheese to the battlefield. And David sees this giant mocking God's people. And like, he drops the cheese and he's like, why are you guys standing here? Go do something about this. Our God's bigger than this giant. And David's like heading out and they grab him and stop him. And he says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight this guy. Our God will prevail. And they try to give him his armor, and he says, nope. And he goes out with a sling and five stones. And that day, David had more resolve than the greatest of soldiers in the Israeli army. He had greater resolve than the king of Israel at that time. He had greater resolve than the giant that he was facing because he was living out of resolve of who Jesus was and who God was. He knew that if he acted, God was with him. And he goes out and he defeats the giant. He he went out with confidence. And you and I are going to face giants in our life. We're going to face these moments of difficulty in our life. We're going to face overwhelming odds in our life. And we can live with resolve. We can live with purpose and say, I have something greater than these obstacles. I have something greater than these detriments to what's keeping me from taking the next step. So let the, they let their, their resolve was greater than their challenges. Their resolve was greater than their, their lack of faith. Think about it. It's not that these were great men. You think about other stories of the Bible. It's not that the great stories of the Bible aren't because the men and women of the Bible had some great ability or special talent, is that they, and they didn't have access to something that we don't have access today. 
Instead, they had great resolve in God. Moses wasn't a great man. As a matter of fact, he was hiding in the wilderness, right? And God said, go and deliver my people from slavery. And he went with great resolve and did that. Esther wasn't a great woman, but she had great resolve to go and ask the king for mercy on the Jewish people, and he showed it. The disciples weren't great men. They failed many, many times, but they came to a point where they had great resolve to spread the message of Christ around the world. How does this happen? It's when we live with abandon. When we stop allowing man to define success for us and instead allow God to define it. That is a changing point in our life. That is, a, that is something that we all of a sudden, we are starting to live one way, trying to please man and live up to man's standards. And we start to live with resolve with Christ. We start to live by a different standard and we have different ideas of what success are based on God. That's living with resolve. So this is how we're to do all these things. To love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to close with these couple of thoughts because, again, even going back to like this of like, okay, I'm going to pick a few of these. I'll love the Lord to God with all my heart, my mind. I'll ask questions. I'm good at asking questions. Like, I'm going to do that one. I'm not going to do the other ones. And here's what happens. When we try to act with resolve and love God only with our strength, and we just try to do things for God, it leads to legalism. We become a legalist, and we're like, you've got to do these things. And we start trying to do them. We start trying to tell other people, this is how you have to do it. And we try to create this cookie-cutter mold of Christianity. If I do these things, that's legalism, and that's not love. If all we try to do is explore God and love God with our mind, and we just try to get to know him at deeper and deeper levels, we become this elitist, where we think we've got it all figured out and everybody else is dumb. You, had, you don't understand God the way I do. And we have this elitist mentality. That's not love. When all we do is try to do things together with God and love him with our soul and just have these great experiences and these you know, wow moments, which are great, but we don't ever get to know him, we, we become shallow. We become shallow, and we don't engage God at the way that we should. And again, shallow is not love. And if we just have this desire for God, and we just think about him all the time and praise him and want to worship and we just want to sing more songs and cry out to God, but we don't let it affect what we do or how we think, then we become hypocritical, right? And that, that's not love either. Loving the Lord is loving him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So my question today is this. Are you actively loving the Lord? Are you surrendering to him? Are you giving, saying, God, I desire you above all things. Are you submitting to him and saying, God, I want to do life with you? Are you trusting him? And are you allowing you to ask questions that will take you to a deeper relationship with him? And you living your life with abandon that leads you to a resolve to please God and love God above all else. Today, my challenge to you is to intentionally love the Lord with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Will you this day, all day, tomorrow, this week, rise daily and say, today I will love the Lord. Today I will desire him. I want to do this day together with him. I want to explore with him today, and I want to live with resolve in this moment. Will you 
of the Lord. Let's bow our head and close our eyes.